Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest. This month, we have been talking about success. That's been the theme uh, since we started 2019. And so I'm gonna keep talking about that. The first week, Pastor Don, I'm just gonna recap a little bit. He, he talked about how success is a God-given desire in all of us. He commanded Adam and Eve from the beginning to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the earth. And so it's our job actually as humans to be productive, to be successful. And it's natural to want to feel successful. And the second week, we looked, about, we looked at how success is different for everyone and how we can avoid um, setting the wrong goals or the wrong aim uh, towards success and just not let other people define for us what success is. And then last week, Pastor Don talked about how we can use our earthly resources to be successful and have a heavenly impact. So this week, I want to talk a little bit about how we can be successful when the odds are against us. And so I want to look at a person from the Bible, from the Old Testament. And sometimes I think we think that it's hard to relate to people in the Bible. And maybe we think, oh, you know, the times were so different then. Uh, these people were so different from me, you know, how can I relate to this? But actually, uh, we as a human race and society itself hasn't really changed all that much. So to prove that, I just want to do a little exercise with you. Just take a moment and imagine with me, think about a, a government in this world that is very powerful. It's like an empire, basically. One of the most powerful governments in the world. And uh, it's very rich and everything there looks very nice, it's very fancy, and uh, you know, it looks nice on the outside, but on the inside, there's a lot of corruption, and there is religion there, but essentially, it's, it's actually really a, a godless nation, and the, the leader is extremely arrogant, and he thinks that this great empire, this great government has been built by him, that he has made it great, and uh, it's, it's all thanks to him. And uh, I'm sure you're all thinking of a government right now or a particular leader, yeah? <laughs> some of you are. Um, depending on where you're from, it might be some, someone different or a different place. Um, but actually, the government that I just described is the empire of Babylon. And so I want to talk today about Daniel in the Babylonian Empire. And so I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with his story, but I just want to do a quick a little history of Daniel's life, and you can see uh, how we can relate to Daniel and his story and how we can learn from him to be successful. So Daniel was, uh, we meet him in the beginning of, of the book of Daniel as a captive. The Babylonian Empire had conquered Jerusalem, and they took uh, a bunch of, it says, they took a bunch of people from the royal families of Judah and noble families in Jerusalem at that time. And Daniel was one of them. So Daniel goes from being this probably, probably a pretty well-off guy um, to becoming a slave 
in the Babylonian Empire, some completely foreign place. He was forced to learn about Babylonian culture, uh, you know, astrology and, and their religion, um, and he was given a different name, too. He was forced to be called by a name that was uh, based on a pagan god. And some even uh, think that he may have been castrated at that point, basically taken from his, this place, you know, to serve in the king's palace. A lot of the times they had to do that, and he's, you know, made a slave maybe not treated so well. Um, and then, if you know his story, he ends up interpreting King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And so Nebuchadnezzar rewards him by putting him in charge of the whole Babylonian nation. And then, shortly after that, a few years later, King Nebuchadnezzar goes insane. And so things kind of fall apart, and Daniel um, loses his position. And then later on, and in, in we see many years later, uh, King Belshazzar, who is Nebuchadnezzar's son, is taken, uh, he's taken over the nation. And he's at a party. He's throwing a party for, you know, his you know, friends. And there's the writing on the wall, and they all, you know, get really scared, and he needs someone to interpret the writing on the wall. So Daniel is summoned, and he interprets the writing on the wall, and the king says, wow, that's great. All right. And he proclaims Daniel the third uh, man in charge of the, the country. And so Daniel's back in power, and then that very night, uh, King Belshazzar is killed, and Darius the Mede takes over in the nation. So Daniel, you know, he rises to power again, and then he loses it all. And then under King Darius, uh, he's given some power, and he's faithful with it. So King Darius says, oh, you know, I think I want to give Daniel some more power. And the other officials get jealous, and that's when they uh, conspire to throw him in the lion's den. So he goes again from having power <laughs> to being in a lion's den. But as we know, he doesn't get eaten and after the experience in the lion's den, uh, the, the Bible says that Daniel prospered under the reign of King Darius. And so we see Daniel's life is kind of like this. There's a lot of mountaintops. There's a lot of valleys. He goes through a lot of uh, ebb and flow in his life of, of success. You know, at one minute he's, he's in power, and the next minute he's in the lion's den. The next minute he's, you know, he's lost it all again. And I think a lot of us can relate to that in our own lives. Um, I think a lot of our success and our life story isn't always linear, right? We go through mountaintops and valleys all the time. Uh, whether or not it's, you know, if you have a business, um, you can, things can be going well and then the stock market crashes. Or, you know, you have a hotel in Bali and then the volcano goes off or there's an earthquake and everything changes. Or maybe it's with, a, you know, you're in a relationship and things look like they're headed in the right direction and going smoothly, and then someone gets a job somewhere far away and you have to move. Or, you know, you end up breaking up and it just didn't turn out the way you planned. Or, or maybe it's with your kids, you know, you finally get a routine going and you understand how to deal with them or relate to them and then they go through puberty and you're lost. <laughs> You know, there, there's just so many times that we go through mountaintops and valleys. And so what I want to look at today is several habits that Daniel had that we can learn from to help us be successful when the odds are against us, when we're going through those mountaintops and, and valleys. So the first thing that I see from Daniel is that he is very consistent. Um, so if we look in Daniel 6, this is when the officials under King Darius are jealous of Daniel and they're trying to find a way to, you know, knock him out of power. So it says in Daniel 6, 4, 
Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Another translation says that the officials tried to dig up a scandal on Daniel. And we see this all the time in politics, right? I mean, I personally don't really follow politics that much, but I even hear about, you know, scandals. You know, this guy had an affair five years ago, or even, you know, there was one recently, I think this guy got accused of treating someone badly in high school, and they were, you know, putting him on trial for it. So we, we hear about this all the time, people trying to, you know, go through every aspect of your life, every time period of your life to dig up dirt, and, and we see with Daniel, there was no dirt to dig up because he was consistent, he was faithful, he was trustworthy and always honest. Even when he was a slave, even before he was given power by the king, he did things honestly. He decided that he was going to do things the right way from the start. He didn't think, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, get, get in a better position. I can't take being a slave anymore. I just want some power. You know, I'm gonna do what it takes to get there and then I'll be honest. And then I'll do it the right way. No, he started from the very beginning, no matter who was watching. And we see that this consistency and, you know, it, it wasn't like Daniel was an overnight success. It was years before he was given power. And I really think that there's no such thing as an overnight success. If you look at anyone successful, it's really because they've been consistent. Whether it's a famous, arti a famous artist, a, a singer, perhaps, they didn't just all of a sudden, you know, get really great and get famous. Their, their success came from consistently putting in time to hone their skills, consistently practicing, consistently spending time working on, on what they needed to do to be successful. Or, you know, if it's a, a business, so many times we hear about these overnight success businesses, but it really actually, if you look at a, a successful business owner, they're consistently innovating, consistently dreaming up new ideas. And I guarantee you, any successful businessman has had a lot of bad ideas that never worked out but they consistently worked on innovating and consistently put in time trying to figure out what would work. And then finally, one thing works and they get successful. Um, you know, if you want a good relationship, a successful marriage or a successful friendship, you don't, it doesn't just happen and it definitely doesn't happen overnight. It comes from consistently putting in time, consistently spending time with, with the other person so consistency really is a, one of the, the biggest seeds of success, I think. I heard this quote and I like it. Small things consistently over time lead to big things. And we know this to be true from a, a physical standpoint, right? If you decide to go to the gym tomorrow and work out for four hours, it's still not going to affect your weight. You're not gonna be in shape. But if you consistently go to the gym a few times a week, more than a few weeks at a time, you go for several months in a row, go for the whole year every, you know, consistently, then you will see a change in your body. But it's the same for anything, for any habit that we have or any relationship, any business, it's consistency. And I think many, and this is the time of year, you know, January, maybe a few weeks ago, you know, when we tend to set 
our New Year's resolutions, right? And a lot of the times, they're really great goals. You know, we want to change and, and become better. We want to better ourselves. And that's great. But there's, you know, statistics show that most New Year's resolutions are already forgotten by mid-February. And maybe you already forgot what yours was or you gave up on it. And I think a lot of the time why that happens is because we try to change everything at once instead of starting small. So it's like my husband, Daniel, um, you know, sometimes every once in a while he'll say, oh, I'm gonna go on a no rice diet, just completely cut rice out of my diet, right? And uh, I was asking him permission to share this, and I said, yeah, usually it works for about a week. And he said, no, two, I can make it two weeks. <laughs> but that's about it. And then after a while, it just kind of fails and falls apart. Um, because he tries to make such a big change right away. We can't change our entire life or change our lifestyle right away. It's not sustainable. So my suggestion to my wonderful, handsome, capable husband is to start maybe with one meal a day. Cut rice out of one meal a day and do it until you're used to that and then do two meals a day. And Daniel eats five meals a day, so it's very doable for him. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so my, my suggestion is that for you too, if you have a big goal that you're working toward this year, uh, start small. Try to find small steps that can lead you toward your big goal. And, and be consistent with what you want to do and be consistent in your character. Be honest, be trustworthy. No matter what position you're, you're in right now, how much power or how, what, you know, where you are in your workplace, be consistent, be faithful, be trustworthy like Daniel was because God does reward that. So the second thing that I see with Daniel, uh, one of the most obvious things, is that he was faithful in prayer. So in Daniel 6, when we, if we go back there, um, Daniel, this is after Daniel has learned about the law that um, no one can pray to anyone except for the king. And so here it says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So <laughs> one of the first things that I noticed in this passage is that Daniel was so faithful in prayer that even his enemies knew where and when to find him because he was so consistent, so faithful to pray every day. And I don't, I don't think that you guys would know when I pray every day or anything. And that, I think that's something to aspire to. You know, I don't know too many people. I know I really admire my mother-in-law. You know, she has that if I try and call her at all in the morning from seven to eight, I know that she's not gonna answer her phone because she's praying. If there was any assassin out to kill her, it would be very easy to target her. <laughs> and I think that's an amazing thing that we, you know, if, to aspire to in our lives, to have a prayer life so faithful that everyone knows, oh, it's 12 o'clock, Rachel's praying, you know. Um, it's just amazing. And praying three times a day, as it said he, he does here, that wasn't something that was mandated by the Jewish religion. Obviously, I'm sure as you all know, there's 
many different types of religions that do mandate how many times you have to pray, but the Jewish religion didn't have any of that sort of uh, regulation. This was a decision that Daniel had made personally, and he had done it consistently and faithfully for over many, many years. And we see that he doesn't only pray when he's in trouble, right? In this passage that we just read, he is in trouble. There's been a law signed, and it's going to get him in trouble. But we, say that, we see that it says he's, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. If you think about it, Daniel was a very, very powerful man, right? I mean, the Babylonian Empire at that time was one of the most powerful nations in the world, and Daniel was uh, pretty high up in, in that government. He wasn't the most powerful, but very powerful. And he still humbled himself on his knees. In front, other people could see him with his window open, praying to God. And I just think that is another amazing thing, that no matter who we are, we can't compare to our God. And it's so important to humble ourselves in prayer before him consistently. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we have to pray three times a day to be successful. That's not my point. Um, but being faithful in prayer consistently every day is so important. And I know that you're busy. I know every single person here is crazy busy. I know that everyone has either a job or kids or family or just things that you're doing, even volunteering. I mean, I'm right there with you. I'm busy too. We're all busy. But I assume Daniel must have been very busy also because he was running a nation. He was in charge of a nation, you know, and he still found time to pray three times a day. If we look at Jesus, Jesus had 12 guys following him around all the time, nagging him, and literally hundreds of people chasing him everywhere he went. He, Jesus was very busy, and he still found time every day consistently to spend time with his Father. And I believe that's such an important part of success. It says a few times in the book of Daniel that God granted Daniel special wisdom and unusual aptitude for many skills. And I believe that that wasn't just coincidence. That came from all of the time that he spent seeking God for wisdom, and God rewarded him with that. So being faithful in prayer is another key aspect of being successful, no matter if we're at the mountaintop or in the valley. The third thing that I see from Daniel is that he had fellowship. Uh, he had a group of friends that he stuck with, that stuck with him through tough times and through good times. Uh, if we look in Daniel 1, back again to the beginning of his story, we see Daniel, Hananiah, Shadrach, we know Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Azariah, or Abednego, were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. So these four men, they were captured, as I said before, from Jerusalem, brought to, and made slaves. And they lost everything. They were ripped away from their families. It's likely they never saw their families again. 
and they only had each other. And you can see in this passage when Daniel decides to do this fast, you know, the Daniel fast, to only eat kosher food, his friends also join him in that. Now, the scripture doesn't say, it doesn't talk about this, but I, as I was reading this, I kind of started to wonder, like, did his friends really want to do that fast? You know, you imagine they're coming from noble families, from the royal family of Judah, noble families, they're probably used to a certain lifestyle. They're probably used to a certain, you know, amount of food, quality of food, and then they're made slaves. But then, luckily, you know, whoa, God's favor is on us. We're going to get the king's food. And I'm sure it was like really delicious food, like Bobby Gouling or bacon, uh, you know, soft shell crab. I don't know why God made all the non-kosher food really delicious, but, <laughs> but if it was me, I really don't think that I would, I mean, uh, maybe your self-control is better than me, but I would want to eat it, you know? I'd be like, sorry, God, this is, you made this too good, you know? Uh, <laughs> at least the next few months I have an excuse. The pregnant lady has got to eat. But, <laughs> but they, they join him. They join him in on this fast. And, you know, I, I assume it wasn't easy. I mean, maybe some of you only eat vegetables and water, but I think the majority of us eat a bit more than that. And it must have been hard, but they supported him in that. And then you see God rewards them for that. And, and they get they gain favor in, in the eyes of the king, in the eyes of all the people in the royal palace. And then later on, you see when Nebuchadnezzar has his dream, he asks all his local wise men, you know, to interpret it, and they can't. And so he says, I'm going to kill you all. And Daniel hears about this, and, you know, Dan they're going to kill Daniel and his friends also. And Daniel says, wait, hold up. And then he calls a prayer meeting with his friends. And so they pray together, and that's when God reveals the dream and, and the meaning to Daniel. And so that's, that's when Daniel's able to interpret the dream for the king, and he rises to power. And you see also when he rises to power, if you look in Daniel 2, it says, then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as the chief over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon. So Daniel rose to success, and he brought his friends with him. So he, in, he not only went through these difficult times with his friends, but he brought his friends with him in his success. And I just, I love that part. Um, fellowship is so key. We talk about it so much here that we are made to live in community. We're made to be with other people. And I, I heard this quote from another pastor, Erwin um, McManus. It says, you cannot access everything God has for you until you need more than what you currently have and more than who you yourself are to accomplish your calling. I believe that God's calling on your life is so big that you need more resources than you currently have to accomplish it. And you need other people to support you along the way to accomplish it. That's the way God designed it. He did that on purpose because he wants you to rely on him for the resources that you need and to rely on others for the support that we need to get there. So get in a connect group. <laughs> this is my plug for CG, but 
it's so true, you know, when you're going through a rough time or when you're, when you're celebrating, having a connect group is so important. And I heard recently a, a testimony from one of our connect group leaders who actually is a, a vegetarian, pescatarian, I believe. And she was talking about how her other friends outside of this community, you know, when they go out to eat, they'll still pick places like Wahaha Ribs or, you know, <laughs> Burger Place, and she can't eat anything there. But whenever she's with her connect group, if they get together, they always make vegetarian or fish dishes for her. Or if they go out to eat after Sunday gathering, they're always thinking about a place that has good vegetarian options. And she was just talking about how blessed she was by that. You know, and I, I'm not in her connect group, but if I was, yeah, of course I'd want to join in. I mean, yeah, I like my meat, but if I'm with, you know, if I'm with her, if I'm with my connect group, Let's do it together because we're a group, we're a family, and we support each other no matter what. We want to support each other to achieve our goals and to live, you know, the lives that God has called us to live. And so again, I just, I really believe that to be successful, we do need the support of others, not only to accomplish our goals, but to share in the joy of success once we achieve it. Because really, if you've achieved success and you don't have anyone to enjoy it with, what does it mean? You know? So get in a connect group <laughs> and, and have that fellowship because it's so key to success. The last thing that I see from Daniel, um, but I think one of the most important things, is that Daniel was very bold. He spoke the truth and he did what was right even when it was hard even when it risked his life to do so. You know, you see the book is, is full of these examples. The first one that we looked at, you know, to doing the, the fast or not eating the king's food, you know, the, even the attendant that was in charge of Daniel, he was afraid to, to only let him eat vegetables and water because he said, if you don't do well physically, then, you know, the king's going to kill you or probably kill me. But Daniel was bold because that was the conviction he had in his heart. And then when he interprets King Nebuchadnezzar's dream for the second time, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about a tree, and basically the meaning of the dream is that the king is going to lose his empire and he's going to go insane. And so Daniel, when Daniel hears about the dream and God reveals the meaning to him, Daniel, Daniel's also a little bit nervous but he tells the king exactly what it means. And he says to the king when he's telling him, you know, I, I wish this weren't true, but this is what the dream means. You're going to go crazy and you're going to lose it all. And that must have been very nerve-wracking for him to do. Even again, when he's interpreting the writing on the wall for King Belshazzar, the meaning of the writing for him to, the, the meaning to be relayed to the king was that, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Can you imagine saying that to the most powerful man in the world? If it were me, I would want to sugarcoat the message a little bit, you know? I'm sure in that day and age, they were not kind to messengers with bad news. Uh, if they were, you know, the kings then could be very volatile and, and hostile. So. Even that in himself, you know, telling the meaning of these things, it must have been scary. But even after he tells them these terrible things about what's going to happen, the kings reward him. And it's, it, it's, it doesn't make any logical sense. 
but you just see how God is working through his boldness. And then again, obviously, the, the story that we're probably most familiar with of the lion's den, Daniel knew that if he kept praying to his God, it was going to risk his life, and he still did it. And every time that Daniel stood up to the authorities and you know, did, did what was right in the eyes of God, he did so proclaiming the name of his God. The first time he interprets King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he says to him, you know, all the wise men here on earth, they don't know what your dream is and they can't tell you what it means, but there is a God who reveals secrets. And he's the one who wants you to know what is in your heart and what's going to happen. And he does the same with King Belshazzar with the writing on the wall. King Belshazzar says, if you can interpret this, I'll give you lots of gifts and you know, get lots of rewards. And Daniel says, keep your gifts, I don't want them. I just want you to know the truth. And every time he, he still is so faithful to God and faithful in being bold to proclaim and profess his faith. And I think that's important for us to do also. We need to start being bold. People, you know, people ask you what you're doing on a Sunday morning. Do we tell them that we're here worshiping the King of Kings? Or do we just say, oh, I'm free later? You know, be bold. People need to know the truth. They need to know who is the King of Kings. They need to know the name of Jesus. And it's time for us to be bold in proclaiming the name of Jesus and be bold to do the right thing. Every situation has an easy way out. Every situation, you know, you can find a, a way to fudge it, you know? Like, if you're doing business, you can fudge your reports to make it look better or worse than it actually is, but that isn't the honest way to do business. You know, every, every time, you know, there's a way that you can avoid telling your spouse, you know, about any unfaithful actions or thoughts you've had, and, you know, you can do that. You can take the easy way out, but that won't lead to a successful marriage. There's, you know, a way to buff up your CV to make it look like you have more knowledge or experience than you actually do. I always think when I, when I recall something like this, I always think of my dad's story. I think he's shared it here, Pastor Don's story, about how he went uh, when he was working for computers, uh, working in the computer industry back when computers were the size of this room. Um, <laughs> I know, you're not that old. <laughs> um, so he went for an interview, and the boss had a big manual of information that he needed to know. And he said, you know, okay, Donald, Here's what you need to know for this job. I want you to take a minute and look through this manual. I'm gonna step outside for a minute, I'll come back. So my dad's you know, going through this manual and doesn't know this stuff. He doesn't know this information. So the boss comes back in and says, all right, how much do you know? And, he, and my dad says, well, I, to be honest, I don't know this, but uh, I can learn it and I will learn it. And he said, okay, you're hired. You know, and, and what had happened was all the other candidates that had done this, they lied and they said, oh, I know it all. And when the boss quizzed them, they failed. They didn't know the answers to the questions because they, they weren't honest. You know, they wanted to seem knowledgeable and ready for this job. But the truth is being bold and telling the truth will get you a lot farther than lying. It's so easy, you know, in society to do what everyone else is doing, right? I mean, maybe it's 
Maybe it's just the cool thing to do or, you know, in Daniel's case, it was the legal thing to do was not to pray uh, to anyone but the king. But, you know, the success stories that I hear and I'm sure that you hear never come from anyone who, you know, decided just to blend in with the crowd. The real success stories are from those who stand out, do something different. They're bold. And so I just want to encourage everyone this morning to be bold to be bold in doing what's right in the eyes of God and to be bold to proclaim the name of Jesus because I believe that is one of the most important aspects that made Daniel so successful in his life. So the last thing that I want to, to just share with you, it's, you know, why was Daniel able to be so consistent, so faithful? Why was he so faithful in, in prayer and why was he bold? And I think... The reason is because he found strength in God's truth about who he was. So if we look at the end of the book of Daniel, Daniel's getting a lot of visions. Daniel was a prophet, so he's getting a lot of visions about the future, and things were not really looking good, and he was very discouraged, and he says that, he, he writes, you know, I was feeling very weak and powerless. And then in Daniel 10:19, the angel comes to him, and it says, then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger. And you see here, he, he finds strength when he hears these words, you are precious to God. And so I just wanted to, to leave with that. In a few minutes, we'll have some prayer time. I just wanted to leave you with that as, you know, maybe you feel like 2018 you weren't successful or maybe you feel like you disappointed someone or you disappointed yourself um, or maybe you're just feeling nervous about 2019. There's a lot of daunting things ahead and, you know, you have big goals that you're not sure you can achieve. But I just want to remind you, you know, to, to be bold, to be consistent and faithful in prayer and, and to accomplish all these things, we really need to go back and be reminded of who we are. You are precious to God. Be encouraged, be strong. No matter what you've done or haven't accomplished in the past, if you partner with the Lord, you'll never fail because he never fails.